I'm Damian Bulwa, Director of News at the San Francisco Chronicle. Today on Fifth and Mission, the latest surge in COVID cases has made one thing even clearer. The longer that people work from home, at least those whose jobs allow it, the less likely they are to ever want to go back to offices. And so you get this recent headline, Apple, announcing that it is delaying a requirement that employees return to the office three days a week. And this one, TaskRabbit, the worker for hire app, announcing last week it will close its San Francisco headquarters permanently. And by the way, you also get a podcast host, me, recording this at home, looking at my guests on Zoom before sending an audio file to one of our producers. So what is behind these workplace decisions? What do they mean for companies and their employees? What are the benefits and what are the dangers? My guests today are Ryan Cost, a Chronicle reporter. He's been following companies navigating these questions. And later, I'll talk to Nick Bloom of Stanford, an economics professor and one of the nation's leading experts on the new world of remote work. First, Ryan Cost is here. Ryan, how are you? Hi, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Ryan, let's start with TaskRabbit and that decision to shut down all of their offices completely, not even have people come back some of the time. What did the company's office culture look like before this? And tell us about what was behind their decision. Well, as with most companies during the pandemic that could, TaskRabbit went mostly remote. But like a lot of other companies, as you know, the months sort of stretched on, they kept talking to their employees about what they wanted and sort of, you know, what the future might look like for them. And when I spoke with the CEO, she said that initially it seemed like they would do a little bit of time in the office, a lot of time at home, maybe two days in the office, the rest remote. But the longer employees stayed away from the office, the clearer it became that they didn't really have a lot of appetite to return. So leading up to this decision, they had downsized their San Francisco headquarters but still had a space for people to come in. It just turned out that nobody was really using it. So after a while, they came to the conclusion that they didn't really need this office at all. And they made that same decision for, yeah, offices around the world. Ryan, we have heard a lot about companies that are, are trying to get people back because they're worried about productivity. I mean, does TaskRabbit have any of those concerns? No, it doesn't seem like they do at all. In fact, you know, TaskRabbit has seen some pretty dramatic growth during the pandemic as well. And it seems like their workforce has been able to keep up with it no matter where they're working from. Also, if you talk to companies, TaskRabbit included, there's one big benefit to having a remote workforce, which is that you can basically hire the best talent wherever they are. So you're no longer sort of dependent on who's in a specific city. So in a lot of ways, I think companies are finding that remote work actually makes them stronger. If they're not doing in-person and they're also not doing hybrid, they're going completely remote. What does that look like? What does remote first look like? So as with a lot of companies that have gone remote, even partially, all of their employees get a certain stipend so that they can have you know, offices at home or if they would rather, they can rent out places at you know, sort of a WeWork model. They will also, though, still have in-person opportunities for employees to meet and collaborate. And I think they're planning on doing this, you know, about once a month, maybe once every two months. The company will, of course, not have offices itself. So instead, it's going to rent out office space three, four, five days that month and have employees who are located near that space come and meet. 
these sorts of meetups will happen wherever the company has a high concentration of employees. And they said that those may change depending on, you know, how their workforce changes over the years as well. So it sounds like we'll have some successful WeWork type businesses, but that actually shuffle different companies, people through those spaces. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't sound like they're planning on having even a permanent lease at a WeWork thing. Instead, they're envisioning somebody just calling and saying, hey, we need a room for a week for 40 people. And, you know, that's what they'll do then. Um, Otherwise, it will all just be handled remotely with people at home or, you know, wherever they choose to work. Is this similar to other businesses? I mean, are they on the leading edge or are we seeing this at a lot of places? I would say that they are on the leading edge. Right now, I think the most popular arrangement is sort of this hybrid model where you might have employees coming into the office one, two, three days a week. Maybe you have specific meeting days, but these companies envision that they'll still be using their offices. TaskGrabbed is sort of the first um, and maybe best known to really just say, we aren't even going to do that. We don't really think that it's beneficial for us to force employees back into an office where they don't want to be. Just being in an office for the sake of being in an office doesn't make sense to them anymore. Are there other measures that TaskRabbit is taking to cater to its employees now that they're not going to be in the office? Yeah, so they'll have these meetups and they're hoping that they happen, you know, with frequency because they do understand that it's important to know your coworkers in order to foster a sort of work environment. They're also giving their employees two weeks of sort of, they're calling them wellness weeks, where they can take time off to sort of recharge and refresh. And, you know, I think that's important when we're talking about remote work, because as we've seen throughout the pandemic, when your home is your office, it's sometimes easy to let work just sort of happen all hours of the day. Um, And I think companies are being pretty proactive about, you know, making sure that employees aren't just going to be completely burnt out. Ryan, especially in the last few weeks, how much are, are the surges in COVID affecting these decisions by companies? Right. Well, you know, we know from past examples that every single time we've tried to make a plan around this pandemic, you know, something else has come up, whether it's another wave, whether it's another variant. So we've seen these waves just kind of constantly drag out this, you know, eventual return to work. You mentioned Apple earlier. They had initially plans to have their employees come back three days a week. That was supposed to start soon. But now that we have this new wave, they decided to go ahead and pause that. The more of these that we have, the longer that people are away, the harder it is to sort of coax them back into the office. And that's in part because people have changed their lives to adapt to this pandemic. So, you know, they've moved their families somewhere else. They have avoided a commute for two years. They are able to pick up their kids from school. They're able to do all these things that now are just sort of a matter of course. And, and to take those things away, to demand that people move back, that sort of thing is just becoming less and less possible. I mean, you can do it, but you'll probably lose a lot of talented employees if you do. Ryan, what about you? What have you found about your own ability to work and collaborate and get the job done remote versus at our office? I think that I'm probably one of the outliers. I really do enjoy collaborating with people in person. And I think the past two years working at home has left me a little bit stir crazy at times. But I also do enjoy the flexibility of not having to get up, get on BART every single morning at the exact same time. It feels like flexibility has been really nice to have. So lately, I found myself going into the office a couple times a week. I know of coworkers who go in every single day of the week because they just really like how quiet it is there now and they have their own space. But 
yeah, I, I found myself sort of in the middle, I guess. What about places like San Francisco? Does this move by TaskRabbit have broader implications for, for cities and places with a lot of office buildings? Yeah, I mean, I think, of course it does. We know that San Francisco bet big years ago on sort of attracting a lot of tech companies and talent to its downtown core. Obviously, those are exactly the sorts of companies that can now go remote indefinitely if they so choose. And I think it would be silly not to expect that that might have an impact on, you know, everything from businesses to just safety and numbers, that sort of thing. But yeah, that remains to be seen. And I think that you'll have a lot of people trying to figure out what to do with these empty office buildings, especially if this trend becomes permanent. Well, maybe they'll all be rotating WeWorks. I mean, that's possible too. All right, Ryan Koss, thanks for joining me. Thank you so much, Damien. Have a good day. Let's take a quick break on Fifth Admission. When we return, Stanford economics professor Nick Bloom. We'll be right back. You can support the newsroom that creates Fifth Admission by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Welcome back to Fifth and Mission. My next guest is Nick Bloom, a Stanford economics professor, long and influential voice on the future of work. He spent the pandemic talking to businesses and employees about how they're adapting. Nick, thanks for joining me. Great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Nick, in the early days of the pandemic, did you think we would get this far? Did you think we would get to a point where some companies are getting rid of offices? To be honest, no. I've been working on working from home for almost 20 years. And I felt like a lone voice saying, look, it's great. It works. You know, I'm not generally pushing for fully remote, but certainly two, three days a week at home is a definite upside for almost all of us. And no, I never anticipated, you know, for a million years, this thing would take off. It would spread so far and so fast. And to be honest, it's kind of been a godsaver throughout the pandemic, the ability to be able to socially distance that's been allowed because we are working remotely. Yeah, it feels like we're coming up with a new vocabulary. I mean, things like TaskRabbit, they're talking about just renting a space every now and then. I think there was another business that that developed a space they're calling a library where people could come together, a smaller space because they don't need all the desks. It feels like we're inventing this as we go. Yeah, you know, my favorite phrase, a friend of mine said this to me about six months ago. I thought it was fantastic. It was working from work. I was like, working from work? Isn't that like, you know, if you said that in 2019, the fact that you have to say it, it's like, you know, for, for Europeans when they come to America, when they call it snow skiing, it's like, I thought there only was skiing. It's incredible. The norm has become work from home. I mean, particularly in San Francisco, if you're in tech, home is now the default. And as you mentioned, a bunch of firms Certainly most companies I talk to in tech now, it's true in finance, business services, they are looking at typically three days a week working from home. And as you mentioned, TaskRabbit, Airbnb, Quora, Upwork, Automatic, they are fully remote. I have to tell you that as a newspaper editor, Nick, three or four years ago when I would work a day from home, I felt like I was missing absolutely everything. But now the days when I actually commute to the office, I really feel out of the loop while I'm driving. And then I get much less done. Are other people feeling this way? Is this typical? Yeah, you know, in some ways right now, maybe the worst of both worlds, because we're doing hybrid, but in a really disorganized way. So, you know, my advice, if you give me 30 seconds, is the only reason people really come to the office is to see their colleagues work with colleagues, socialize with them. So I generally advising companies, typically think how many days a week you need to be in. Say that's two. 
And then second step is have anchor days that everyone comes in on the same two days. And to note, that's not Monday or Friday. People love working from home on Monday, Friday. So a typical plan is come in Tuesday, Thursday. There are social days filled with activity. And then you feel like it's worth coming in because you see everyone and work with them. And then the other three days a week, you're at home and you don't feel like you're missing out. So what about workers? How are they feeling about this? I mean, you've talked to a lot of them. I think you have demographic data. How many favor which model of work? Does it differ among ages, men and women? There's not a huge variation across demographics. There is a lot of variation, but it's kind of, you know, unrelated to most observables. So just to be clear, around a quarter of people really love being in the office. It skews slightly towards young singles or older empty nesters, but there's a mix of folks in there. And then there's around a third want to be fully remote, like the exact opposite. And then the remaining roughly a half are somewhere in between. So you can see if you're a manager, this thing is like a nightmare because you have, you know, every which way of combination. So the average of what people want is about two and a half days a week at home, two and a half days a week in the office. But in any organization, there are going to be folks on either end of that. Is there a power balance here or imbalance here? I mean, how much do companies want to dictate this? They obviously, I think, wanted to do more so in the beginning of the pandemic. And how much do companies want to, want workers to tell them what they should be doing? So certainly, you know, power is with the workers, you know, power to the people right now. Labor markets are super tight. That may change later in the year if the economy goes into a downturn. But currently, May, June 2022, workers have most of the power. And that's one of the things driving work from home. We've been serving 5,000 Americans a month since the beginning of the pandemic. And, you know, I put this data out of a website, wfhresearch.com. And what you see is firms wanted to have people work from home like one, one and a half days a week. Workers, employees, all of us wanted kind of two to three. And guess by now who's one? Basically, employees and workers have one out. It is two to three. And that's really driven in part by work from home is turning out to be pretty fantastic for productivity and lifestyles. And in part, because if you don't offer it, particularly in San Francisco, you know, in the big cities, you're going to really struggle to hire folks. This far into the pandemic, what are workers telling you and others about how this is affecting their lives outside work? Workers, employees are generally very happy to put a number on it. We've been serving thousands of people and asking them roughly how much is hybrid work from home equivalent to as a pay increase. And the numbers are about seven or eight percent. So it's a pretty important perk. I mean, it's worth about the same to most people as like a pension. And you can see why you're saving just over an hour a day in commute, it's less stressful. It's easier to work from home. But, you know, most people also don't want to work full time from home. It's a bit isolating. Not everyone, again, to be clear, there's a spread. But most people are generally happy with two, three days a week at home. Probably three is the favorite number coming into. And it's worth, I mean, it's it's a major perk. It's like one of the big three, healthcare, pensions and work from home. So, Nick, the big one, let's say the pandemic goes away. I mean, hopefully it will at some point. Will attitudes, policies around in-person work ever come back to where they were pre-pandemic? No, I'll be very confident about that. You rarely get much confidence out of economists, but in this case, the answer is clearly no. So just to be clear, there are four reasons companies tell me they like working from home or hybrid at least. One is it keeps employees happy. Two is it's saving them a bit of space. Three is it turns out it's helpful for diversity. And four, it probably improves productivity a bit. All of those, you know, are pretty time stable. They're not cyclical. They're going to be here six months from now. They're certainly going to be here one to two years from now. In fact, if anything, it's going to take off further because the technology to make this feasible is improving every day. 
So if you think, even just think back, you know, I've been working on this for 20 years. 20 years ago, it was like, it was horrible. It was like telephone calls and emailing, no file sharing, no cloud, no Zoom. Five years from now, I'm guessing we have some pretty good virtual reality hologram, certainly 10 years from now. So this actually is more like the beginning. We've jump-started it due to the pandemic, but you know, on a higher level and an, back to an upward trend of working from home. Nick, thank you so much for joining me. Great. It's fantastic to talk, Damien. Thanks to my guest today, Chronicle reporter Ryan Cost and Stanford professor Nick Bloom. Thanks also to Karen Creighton for producing this episode, and thank you for listening. <laughs>